Thank you, church. Like you just said, it's a real privilege to be here, and uh, we feel like we are in family each time we come. Um, yeah, we were at, uh, at Free Indeed during the weekend. It was a crazy weekend. We screamed a lot. So if I lose my voice this morning, it's because the Lord works in my life <laughs> during the weekend. Um, I'm so glad to be here this morning. We will open the Word of God together. If you don't have a Bible, uh, just raise your hand and someone will be pleased to uh, give one to you. Uh, so just uh, raise your hand right now and you will receive a Bible because we will preach from the text. It's all we have, amen? It's all we have. The Lord has given us his world and we want to preach from the word of God because we think that's really what changes our hearts. So um, this morning we'll be in Jeremiah 33, verse three. We'll read from one to three, but 33, verse three. So if you don't know it, it's the worst uh, passage to preach from when you're a French guy because the threes are really hard to pronounce. Uh, Jeremiah 33, verse 1 to 3. And, um, you know, we heard a lot about prayers during this weekend, and I was so encouraged and, and just fired up about what we heard during this weekend. And it really comes down to, uh, to this once again, that without prayer we are dead, like you just said. Um, so if you found Jeremiah, it's right after the book of Isaiah in the Major Prophet. We'll read it. Together, but before I begin, just uh, I came this morning. If you uh, notice, if you uh, saw me the last time I came, I was with my wife this morning. It's not my wife; it's Eric, a guy from uh, another Eric. So it's easy to remember. But it's a guy from uh, from Quebec. It's uh, him and his family are a dear friend to us, and they are a solid part of the core group for the church plant in uh, Quebec. So if you uh, speak French a little bit, Eric is not really uh, at ease in English. But uh, if you speak English to him, he will be. Glad Glad to try to communicate with signs and everything, but if you speak French also, you can go to him and just uh, encourage him with what the Lord has been doing here in Ottawa. It will be so encouraging for his heart and for what the Lord has in reserve for Quebec. Um, Jeremiah 33, but before we jump into the text, let me uh, ask you a question. How much is your life marked by prayer? How much is your life marked by prayer? How much in your life are you looking into the face of God more than looking into the face of men? Like Murray said. How much? Someone told me one day that if you want to humble a man, ask him about his prayer life. Is it working this morning? <laughs> if I ask you about your prayer life, will you be humble? I know I will. And you know, uh, my goal this morning is not to, uh, to make any one of you feel guilty and say you don't pray enough and all this. In a sense, yeah, we want to pray more. But the goal is not to pull guilt. I'm sure that many of you can put me to shame when it comes to prayer. But we want to see prayer for what it really is. Without prayer, we're dead. Prayer is everything for the Christian. We are called as children of God to have a loving relationship with the Lord. But it is impossible without prayer. It is impossible to have a loving relationship with our Lord without prayer. So it is so important. And this morning, this message is really uh, going to be that, uh, that pressure that we want to push the importance of prayer in our life. And we want to answer that question, why do we pray? If I ask to write down, why do you pray? What will it be? 
And we will see that through this text this morning. But I want to start with a quote from a guy named Leonard Ravenhill. He's uh, one of, the, of my heroes uh, in the faith. And he wrote a book um, called Why Revival Terries. And it's from this book. He talks about prayer. Listen to this. He says, No man is greater than his prayer life. The pastor who is not praying is playing. The people who are not praying are straying. The pulpit can be a shop window to display one's talents. The prayer closet allows no showing off. Poverty is stricken as the church is today in many things. She is most stricken here in the place of prayer. We have great organizers but few agonizers. Many players and payers but few prayers. Many singers, few clingers. Lots of pastors, few wrestlers. Many fears, few tears, much fashion, little passion. Many interferers, few intercessors. Many writers, but few fighters. Listen to this. Failing here, we fail everywhere. End of quote. And I believe it is so true, so biblical, and so true also of our generation today. Failing here, we fail everywhere. Failing in the place of prayer, we fail everywhere. It is that important. And today we'll look at the text in Jeremiah 33, 3. And uh, it's a text that is so uh, encouraging for our own prayer life. To just to push us to seek the Lord with all we have and all we are. It's, it, it, it has done this effect on my heart. As I was, what you will hear this morning is really the overflow of my uh, time alone with the Lord. As I read through this passage and the Lord just hit me so hard. Saying, it's the Lord who says that. And it's so powerful and encouraging. And I pray that the Holy Spirit will give birth to a blazing passion for prayer in your hearts. That Harvest Ottawa will be known for a church that prays. A church that loves the Lord in that way. So, um, I think it's only fitting that we stop to pray right now before reading the Word of God. Would you pray with me, please? Heavenly Father... As we come near to you this morning, our hearts once again are broken before you. We know that we have nothing in ourselves. Father, I have nothing to say this morning if it's not from you, from your word. And I have nothing to do if it's not of your Holy Spirit to come in this place and change lives and change hearts. Father, I pray that you will come and meet us this morning. Thank you for this amazing worship time we just have. In your presence, great is thy faithfulness, O God. You never fail us. And this morning again, you call us to come in this place. It's your church. It's your bride. It's your body. It's the building in which you want to live. And we believe that you are in this place this morning. Open our eyes. Open our hearts that we may know that you are alive. That you are with us. That you want to change us. Father, make this call this morning to be yours. May every one of us just hear your voice calling us to come to you because you are so worthy of receiving our whole lives. So talk to us. Like Samuel said, your servants is listening. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Jeremiah 33 verse 1 to 3. <clears throat> It says this, the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah a second time, while he was still shut up in the court of the guard. Thus says the Lord who made the earth, the Lord who formed it to establish it, the Lord is his name. And here's our verse. 
Call to me, and I will answer you, and will tell you great and hidden things that you have not known. Amen. It's the word of God. First of all, let's understand the context of this great word that the Lord has spoken to Jeremiah. First of all, we see in verse 1 that uh, it says that, that the Lord talks to Jeremiah a second time. That implies the first time, and the first time is seen in Jeremiah 32, where uh, Jeremiah is in this, what we need to understand, Jeremiah is talking to the Lord. He is praying. Jeremiah is having that conversation, ongoing conversation with the Lord about what the Lord is going to do and what the Lord wants to do through him and in his people. And here in, Je in chapter 32, we see that uh, God called Jeremiah to buy a field from his uncle. And, and uh, it's all a representation of what the Lord is going to do. But chapter 30 to 33 is the part of the book of Jeremiah called the book of restoration. So Jeremiah received from chapter 1 to 29 all, all kinds of judgment that is going to fall on the people of God because of their, their unfaithfulness, because of their idolatry, because they went after other idols. And they just left the Lord and they just run to sin at first. And there's many judgment, 29 chapters. But at chapter 30 to 33, something different arrived. The Lord is talking about the restoration of Israel. He's talking to Jeremiah about what he really wants to do. What we need to learn from that is that even if the, there's judgment, even if there's many people that are sinning against God and turning their back on him, the Lord is saying, it doesn't have to be this way. It doesn't have to be this way. You don't need to receive judgment. You can receive restoration. And we will see in the text today that prayer plays a big part in that. The second thing we see in the first verse to understand the context is that the second part of the first verse, it says, While he was still shut up in the court of the guard. What does that mean is that Jeremiah, while writing this and receiving this revelation from the Lord, is in prison. And why is he in prison? Because Jeremiah was faithful with what the Lord has entrusted to him. Jeremiah, Jeremiah was preaching the word of God. He was preaching the word because God told him to do so. He was faithful to his Lord. And because of that, he was in prison. The king Zedekiah, we see that in the beginning of chapter 32. He says, the king Zedekiah had uh, preached. Uh, no, he didn't preach. Jeremiah preached. And he, he, he put Jeremiah in prison because he preached the word. Because he, he didn't like the truth that Jeremiah was preaching. It was against his conviction. And it was the king. So he, he does whatever he wants. And when I read this. When I read this, that Jeremiah was in prison because of his faith, and we see that often in, in the Bible, but I'm just thinking, we are not that far from, from living that or experiencing that here in, in our nation. It's going on everywhere, a lot of places in the world, but right here in Canada, we're not far from that. If the society continues to go the way it goes, listen, uh, doctors... Today, uh, they are forced to act against their faith. They are forced to refer. You, you, you heard that. The law that just passed recently. They are forced to refer to someone if they don't want to, um, to, to kill the babies in the womb. And they, they are forced to act against their will or else they need to change their responsibilities. And you saw also that enterprises are not... Uh, they cannot have fun for uh, hiring uh, interns for the summer if they are not uh, changing what they believe in, signing a paper saying they believe in something else, denying their faith. So our society is going in one way, and we are not that far. And maybe you are not in prison right now. 
like Jeremiah. Evidently, you are not. You're here. You're not in prison like Jeremiah. You're not uh, in jail because of your faith. But maybe you're going through all kinds of things because of your faith. Maybe you're, you're experiencing difficulties and, and challenges and pressure because of your faith. Maybe you gave your life to Christ. And since you did that, the relationship with your family is not the same anymore. Maybe your parents are not looking at you the same way. They think, think you went crazy. Maybe your brothers and sisters are not looking at you the same way. There's a distance coming between you and them. Maybe your spouse. Maybe you, you came to the Lord and your spouse is so angry and don't want anything to do with the Lord. And so you, you feel guilty each time you come to church because they, they put so much pressure on you. Maybe they don't care at all about the Lord. Maybe you're a Christian and your spouse just don't want anything to do, but they, they just don't care. They're not angry. They just don't care about Jesus. And it makes you cry at night because you want them to be saved. Maybe it's at work that you refuse because of your faith to do like shady business, illegal transaction or something like that. And because of that, your relationship with other people are, 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 are beginning to be hard. I don't know what, what it is. But what I know is that the Christian life has never been called to be easy. But it's better. It's way better. The thing that we see is that Jeremiah is found in hardship and, and it's not different for us today. We go through that a lot. <clears throat> but the Christian life is so much better. We are walking so much out with our society that it cannot be easy. But it seems like God has this tendency of making himself closer to us or revealing himself in, this, in a powerful way when we are going through affliction. You may not be going through affliction right now, but it will come. <laughs> is it encouraging? Yes, it is. Because when it comes, you know you are on the right road. It will come. But Jesus has this tendency of making himself more visible and closer to us in time of affliction. And that's exactly what he's doing with Jeremiah in this text. He comes in the midst of his prison and he talks to him. He reveals himself to Jeremiah and he said things to him that Jeremiah will have never known. So let's see what it is. Let's read verse 2 and 3 once again and connect that to our first headline. So we see where Jeremiah is. And now the word comes to him and it says, Thus says the Lord who made the earth, the Lord who formed it to establish it. The Lord is his name. And he says, call to me and I will answer you and will tell you great and hidden things that you have not known. The first thing we want to see, it's a divine convocation. Pray. It's a divine convocation. Pray. Call to me. The Lord is talking to Jeremiah saying, call to me and talking to his people and to us today through him. Saying, call to me and I will answer you. But verse 2 talks about more than that. Look at what the introduction of the person speaking here. It's so awesome. He's talking about who the Lord is. Before the Lord comes to say something to Jeremiah, before he says what he wants to say, he begins to, to, to make Jeremiah remember who he is as God. The Lord begins by saying, look at who I am, and then listen to what I have to say. Why? Because it's so important. Because the things you know, what you know about a person will change how you receive and how you respond to the things that that person says. What you know about a person will change how you receive and how you respond 
to the things being said to you. Each time you talk to her, she hears this voice in her head saying, Thus says Robert, who promised to love you till death do us part, who says he will take care of you, who is serving you day after day, the one who bought you this very expensive ring. He says, kiss me. <laughs> what does it change in how you receive what is said? It, what you know about the person talking change how you receive and how you respond to it. Imagine if there's always that voice. If, if someone comes to you, John Doe, your father, who was never there for you, who promised but never delivered, who lied to you day after day, here's what he says. Trust me, I will take care of you. How do you receive that? You see, it's not the same thing. What you know about a person determines how you will receive and how you will respond. But what is said here about God, it says that he is the Lord. Capital letters in your Bible in English. But the, the original version in, in the Hebrews, it's the anagram YHWH. It's the great I am that is talking right here. It's the one who revealed his name to Moses in the burning bush. It says that he is the creator of all things. It says that he formed the earth, established it, and sustains it. He is the God who created all things. Imagine for a second the power involved in such a thing. In theology, when we talk about the creation of the world from God, we talk about the term ex nihilo. That means out of nothing. The Lord created all things, not taking some stuff that already exists and forming it into a different form. But he created all things only by speaking. He spoke the world into existence. Can you imagine the power involved in such a thing? He created all things out of nothing. He sustains it. It says that he is the Lord Almighty. That means also that the Lord is the sovereign Lord. He is our King, that means that he is our owner. He owns everything. If you create something, you own that thing. God created all things. One day we'll come back and say, mine, 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 mine. We are all is because he created all things. That's the person who is speaking right now. When you think about God who created all things, the power involved in such a thing, the sovereignty of God in such a thing, you must have in your mind something like, if God is like that, what is then impossible to him? In fact, that's exactly what Jeremiah is saying in the previous chapter. Look with me at chapter 32, verse 16 to 19. Chapter 32, it's just beside the text that we have this morning. Chapter 32, verse 16 to 19. I will read it. And while I read it, just try to find all of the attributes of God in, this, in these three verses. Just try to see the character of God that Jeremiah is speaking of. 16 to 19, it says, After I had given the deed of purchase to Baruch, the son of Neriah, I prayed to the Lord, saying, Ah, Lord God, it is you who have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and by your outstretched arm. Nothing is too hard for you. You show steadfast love to thousands, but you repay the guilt of fathers to their children after them. O great and mighty God, whose name is the Lord of hosts, great in counsel and mighty in deed, whose eyes are open to all the ways of the children of men, rewarding each one according to his ways and according to the fruits of his deeds. 
You notice all of it? <laughs> you had time to write down everything you learned about the character of God in these verses? I will give you the answers, okay? When you look at that, you can understand many things. But you can see that he talks about the Lord's creative, creative power again. He talks about his steadfast love. He talks about his justice, his greatness, or his incomparableness. He's so different than anything else. He talks about his might. He, he says that he is the Lord of hosts. That means the Lord, the, the Lord of all the heavenly beings. He is the Lord in heaven. <laughs> he talks about his great wisdom, great in counsel. He talks about his mighty deeds, signs and wonders. That means his character in action, his character proven. He talks about his omniscience. That means he knows everything because he says that he knows all the ways of human being. You see how great a God he is? He talks about the fact that he is the great judge and rewarder. He is the faithful one. Even if you look at verse 24, he says that he is the God who always brings to pass what he promised. That is the Lord who is saying to us, call to me. Do you begin to feel the weight of what he is saying? When, when you understand who it is that is speaking Even in verse uh, 26 of chapter 32, he says, it's the Lord talking now. And he says, behold, I am the Lord of all flesh. Again, the sovereign God. And he says, is anything too hard for me? What is the answer to that, brothers and sisters? It's no. <laughs> no, there's nothing too hard for that God. And that God, that almighty God is calling us to call to him. If that is not good enough for you to run to him, And to say, I will go to him. That almighty God that can do absolutely everything he wants to do. is calling me into his presence. Wow. That's my favorite word when I read my Bible. It's wow. You read something like that and you're like, is it even possible? Do you understand who you are? Do you understand who he is talking to? He's talking to Jeremiah. Jeremiah needs to tell that message to the people of God. The rebel people of God, idolatrous people of God, the sinners that don't want anything to do with God, call to me. That's powerful. It's supposed to bring us to our knees and seek the Lord. It's so good to understand who it is that is talking. And listen, it's a command. He's not saying, if you want, you can maybe call to me. He says, call to me. But what a command it is. What a command when you understand who he is and how great and awesome and powerful and beautiful and magnificent and loving he is. You just want to say, yes, yes, I will come to you. Yes, I will pray. Yes, I will call upon your name because you are so good to me. I don't, I don't merit that. I'm not worthy that you want me in your presence. But you call me to come anyway. Listen, we can meet with this awesome God face to face. And it's the first goal of prayer. Just to enjoy the presence of the Awesome God that he is. But what an awesome commandment. You know, we call that a commandment, but it's really a, a joy. It's like your wife. Imagine if, if your wife is giving you a command, looking at you and saying, I order you to kiss me. Will you go like, oh, what a burdensome command. It's so hard. Why are you asking me that? <laughs> Or will you go like, yes, what a joyful command. I want that so much. It's not even a command. It's a joy. The Lord Almighty is calling us into his presence. That is so powerful. 
and so good and so exciting. You are called. It's a divine convocation. Pray. But maybe as you listen to this, many of you think, maybe it was not for us. It's just for Jeremiah. It's just a word that was given to Jeremiah saying, call to me. Oh, yeah? Have you ever heard about the gospel of Jesus Christ? God is running after us. God wants us in his presence so much from the beginning of time that he sent angels and prophets to scream to his people. Time after time, they turned their back on him again and again and again. But he sent prophets once again, again, to call them to come back to him and ultimately in Jesus Christ. Ultimately in his son If you doubt that the Lord is calling you into his presence, look at the cross. The Son of God, the only begotten Son of God, came on this earth to live a righteous, perfect life and to go on that cross and to die for us. He was separated from his Father. He took our sin, took the punishment from our sin. And he was separated from his Father on that cross in order for us to be united again with the Father, Romans 5.10. To be reconciled with God. He took our place. And he died on that bloody cross, arm stretched on that cross with nail in his hands. Why? In order for us to hear that call from God. Because God was screaming to Jesus on the cross louder than he ever did and louder than he ever will. Call to me. Come back to me. This is how much I love you and this is how much I want you in my presence. Do you hear this call this morning? This is what we are supposed to hear each morning of our lives. This is what pushes us out of our bed and leads us into the, the holy presence of God, into our sacred place. To hear the call and the love of God manifested to Jesus Christ saying, I love you so much. He gave us his son in order for us to be reconciled with him. Do you see how great our God is? This is this God that says, call to me. Come back to me. Are you still this morning rejecting the Lord? Stop doing that. Turn and call to God. Romans 10, 13 says that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Talking about Jesus. If it's your case today. If, it, if through my voice this morning you hear the voice of the Lord saying into your heart, please turn from your sin and call to me and I will save you and change your life completely. Hear the call of the Lord this morning. Turn to him. He will save you if you call to him. He says that in his word. It's a promise. Call to the Lord. He will save you. Do that. Don't wait. Even as we are Christian, the Lord is calling us to come to him. And it's, uh, Christ is the only reason why we can approach him in prayer. The only reason he is our access to God. That's why, that's why, if you don't know it, write it down. That's why you pray in Jesus' name. We don't say that just because it, it makes a prayer look more beautiful at the end. <laughs> we pray in Jesus' name because we are hidden in Jesus. When we believe in him, we come in front of the Father saying, Father, I know I'm not worthy to come into your presence, but in Jesus, I ask you this because Jesus has has bought us the right to be in the presence of God and to be called children of God. So beloved, what are we waiting for? Call to me, says the Lord. Do that. Run to him. But it doesn't end here. The verse says also, call to me and I will answer you. I will answer you. 
He is inviting you into his presence, the Lord of all, the great God of the universe, creator of all things, able to do far more than everything that we can think. He can do everything. Nothing is impossible to him. But he says, I will answer you. Ask me. Come into my presence. I will answer you. My question is this this morning. Do you believe it? Even Christian of long dates, Christian that are Christian for years, do you still believe this? Do you still believe that the Lord is answering your prayer when you come to him? Do you really? You know, you have a prayer meeting here on the 28th of this month. What will it be like? Will you come in this place on the 28th, believing that the prayers that you will be praying to God will be answered? Or will you come just saying, I will, you know, it's one of our pillars. We believe firmly in the power of prayer. Check mark, I came to the prayer meeting. Will it be like that? Will you come in this place just saying, okay, I did this, I, I went through my list. Or will you come in this place really expecting the Lord to answer the prayer that we will make to him? Really believing that prayer changes things. Here in the text, God says, I will answer you. And we need to believe this. I see in the Bible three main reasons why we don't pray. And the first one is that we don't believe in God at all. It's really easy. Why you don't pray? Because you don't believe in God at all. You don't believe he exists, so you don't call to him. The second reason is larger and implies a lot of things. But it's because we worship idols. Because we go to others. Because we try to find fulfillment in other things than in God. We go to idols. And in fact, it's... It's, it's what the people of God are doing right in the context of Jeremiah 33. If we go back a little bit and we just read uh, in Jeremiah 33, uh, 32, just before that, verse 31 to 35. It's so hard with 30 and 30. You understand me, okay? <laughs> Jeremiah 32, verse 31 to 35. I will read it quickly to you. But the, God, the Lord is saying here, when you, when you hear the, the, the phrase, call to me, you need to, end, to, to hear also a, a kind of reproof in that. Saying, call to me, not to them. Call to me and to no one else, for I will answer and they will not. And look here, verse 31 to 35 in chapter 32. It says, this city has aroused my anger and wrath from the day it was built to this day. So that I will remove it from my sight because of all the evil of the children of Israel and the children of Judah that they did to provoke me to anger. Their kings and their officials, their priests and their prophets, the men of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem. Listen to verse, this verse. They have turned to me their back and not their face. And though I have taught them persistently, they have not listened to receive instruction. Verse 34, they set up their abomination in the house that is called by my name to defile it. They build the high place of Baal in the valley of the son of Inam to offer up their sons and daughters to Molech. That is to burn their children alive. Sorry for sensitive heart. Though I did not commend them, nor did it enter into my mind that they should do this abomination to cause Judah to sin. Verse 33 says, they have turned their back on me and not their face. That's the reproof, the reproach that God is doing to his people. They are going after other gods. They are trying to find satisfaction, to find answers, to find joy, 
and happiness and other things than God. And God says, what are you doing? You have turned your back on me. Is it your case this morning? You have turned your back on me and not your face. Maybe, maybe this morning you don't have the same God as theirs. Maybe you don't have a statue of your God in your living room. <laughs> I hope not. But maybe your God is yourself. Maybe the reason why you don't pray is because you, says, you say, I don't need you, God. I'm all right. I'm in control. I have everything under control. I'm in charge. I'm doing my thing. Things are going well when I'm in charge and I'm my own boss and my own God and I do whatever I want. I don't need you. I don't care. So I don't pray. That's one of the main reasons. Or maybe your God is called money. Maybe you try with a little bit more of money, with a little bit more of it, I will find true happiness. I will be fulfilled. I will find what I need in life to be really happy. Maybe you don't offer your children on the altar of Molech to burn them alive. But maybe your children are really neglected on the altar of success, money, appearance, reputation, work, busyness. Is it your case this morning? Are you turning your back on God? You know those things will always, will always let you down. They will always fail you. They promises things that they cannot deliver. They promises joy and, and happiness. They promises love and peace and rest. But they always deliver fear, stress, anger. They all never, the idols of our hearts never deliver on their promises. But God does. God says, I will answer, but they will not. Another God in our society right now that is so powerful is called phone. <laughs> our iPhone and, and our tablets and, and, and social media. It's just crazy. Yes, I need to hit on that again this morning. It's, it's just so crazy. It just eats your time so fast. I wonder how many children re remember the color of their parents' phone more than their faces. There's more and more people experiencing neck problem and neck pain because of head bowed down on their phone. But when was the last time that you experienced pain in your neck because of head bowed down in prayer for so long? Where do you spend your time? The things in which you try to find true happiness will be your idols if it's not the Lord. And idols are always, always deceiving Never delivering. But the third thing, the third thing, the third reason why we don't pray is, is simply unbelief. It's connected, but it's different. Unbelief, the fact that we do not believe. We do not believe in this context that the Lord will truly answer our prayer. We do not come to him. At some point in our Christian life, when we got saved at first, we were going to the Lord in prayer. We were praying so much and coming to the Lord with everything. With everything. I don't know for you, but I was like that. I came to the Lord at the age of 19 years old. And I came to the Lord praying for anything. Anything. Ridiculous things sometimes. But anything coming to him. Because I believed that the Lord was answering my prayers. But at some point in our life, have you stopped believing this truth? Have you stopped believing the Lord is really faithful? I will answer you. Hebrews 11.6 says that whoever will draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. 
you still believe that. It doesn't say those who draw near to God can believe that he rewards those who seek him. It says he must, we must believe that he will reward us, that he will answer our prayer if we come near to him. It's an imperative, it's an, a command. So believe it, brothers and sisters. But maybe you think again that it's only a promise for Jeremiah. It's only in the context of Jeremiah. Jeremiah, call to me and I will answer you, you, Jeremiah, no one else. And yes, it's a promise to Jeremiah. He answered Jeremiah after Jeremiah prayed. He prayed in chapter 32 and the Lord answered him in chapter 33 and show him great things and show him about the restoration of the people of God. But it's even more true for us today because he showed to Jeremiah that he was going to restore the people of God. And even we will see later in this chapter that it's talking about the branch with capital B. It's talking about the Messiah, Jesus, that is coming to save his people for good. But we have that revelation now. We know all of this. Look, uh, look with me in Luke 18. And you don't have to turn. I put a, a verse on the screen. But in Luke 18, it's one of my favorite passages on prayer. In Luke 18, it says uh, uh, Jesus is giving this parable about the widow that comes to the judge. You know that parable, right? The widow is coming to uh, the judge and she's just asking him to make, to give her justice and give her justice. But the judge is bad. But even if the judge is bad, even if the judge is bad, he, he gave her justice. Why? Because she was so annoying to him. She was so persistent. She was praying with all she got. She was asking and asking and asking. And at the end, he gave her what she asked. And listen to what Jesus said about that. In verse 7, Jesus, in the conclusion of that parable, he gave us all we have to know about this. He says, And will not God, who is not a bad judge, like the one in the parable, and will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them. What's the word? Speedily. He will give justice to them speedily. And watch, look at this last sentence. He says, nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? That's the kind of passage where you say, wow and ouch at the same time. It's so beautiful. Jesus says that our Father will speedily answer the prayer of his elects. And how do you recognize the elects in this passage? They are crying out to the Lord days and night. The elects are those who are crying out to the Lord. And he says that he will give them justice speedily. He will answer them speedily. But even more than that, look at how Jesus takes prayer and faith and connect them in such a powerful way in this passage. It just hit me so hard when I was reading this. It's so good. He says, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? And when you, you read this in the context, you're like, he's talking about the persistent widow, prayer, prayer, prayer. He says that this parable is given to show us that we need to pray. We ought to pray and, and not lose heart. And then at the end, he, he stacked this sentence. But when the, man, the Son of Man come, will he find faith on earth? In fact, Jesus is saying, if you are not praying, I will not find faith on earth at my coming. He's putting faith and prayer together so, so tight, saying, Listen, write this down, two words. It's so important. Faith, praise. Faith, praise. If you have faith, then you will pray. If you do not believe, you will not pray. 
Jesus put them together and it's so, so good. Do you believe God this morning? Do you believe he wants and will answer to your prayers? Faith cannot stay silent in front of others, but it cannot be, stay silent in front of God. When you believe that God answers, you run to him with everything and for everything. So call to him with fervency. Listen, if we pray so little, it's because we believe so little. And that's just the truth. So be careful here because I, I'm talking about the fact that Jesus answered prayer, that God answers our prayer all the time. But I'm not talking about this name it, claim it garbage that is going on around, that is claiming to be the gospel and is not. Those people say that if you claim something, if you say and declare something, it will happen to you and you will receive it. But that's just not true. That's a lie from hell. We're not God. We do not decide what we receive. We're not in control of the world. God is. If we come to God praying according to his will, that is his written word, he will answer to us. But sometimes we are so fearful to be like them. Sometimes we don't want to look like those charismatic people that, that say, claim it, uh, name it, claim it things. But, but, but sometimes because we don't want to look like them, we stop believing that God is alive at all. We stop believing that the Lord is truly involved in our world and is truly answering prayer. That's not true. The Lord will answer our prayer. And he showed that to us even more clearly once again in Jesus Christ. In Jesus Christ. If you read with me Romans 8 verse 32. I think I put it on the screen but I'm not sure. Uh, Romans 8 32. I will read it for you. You can just write the reference down. He says, He, and talking about God the Father, He who did not spare His own Son but gave Him up for us all, how will He not also with Him graciously give us all things? When you hear something like that, it makes you believe that the Lord will answer your prayer. Jesus was the greatest gift of all time. He was the dearest treasure to the Father's heart. And he gave him up for us. Why don't we believe that the Lord will answer for anything of lesser importance? He gave us his dearest treasure. So listen, you can pray according to God's will. And sometimes you think, uh, yeah, but I'm, I feel like I'm limited or something like that. But praying according to God's will doesn't mean you cannot ask anything that is not written in the pages of the Bible. What I mean by that is, for example, the Bible tells me that God will save all of his elect. But it doesn't say that my neighbor is not an elect of God. <laughs> so pray for his salvation. You're praying according to his will. God wants to save people. Pray for them. So if you want to go on, on mission, you say, I don't know if God is calling me to go there. God wants his word to go to all the world. You want the gospel to reach everyone. So pray for the Lord to provide for it. Pray for the Lord to act. Let me ask you this. What will it look like on the 28th when you come here to pray? Will you seek the face of God? Will you believe he answers prayer i would just close with that this morning what will it be with you what if if you begin to think with what if it can be really encouraging if you think about what if what if we truly believe that nothing is too hard for the lord 
What will happen if the people of Harvest Ottawa truly believe this truth that the Lord is calling us to call to him and he will answer? What if you were to pray earnestly for this member of your family that you have a really hard time believing he will come to Christ? What if this church begin to pray for a revival in our nation's capital? Oh, Eric, don't push too far. Is anything too hard for our God? Are we limiting him because we are too afraid to ask? To say, Lord, do that. This church has not reached the place where God wants to lead it. Oh, now we have meeting on Sundays. Everything go well. We are about this number of people. So we are good to go. We just want to keep it rolling. The Lord wants to do more. He wants to show us and tell us great and mighty things that we have not known. Do you believe that? What if? So what will happen? I pray for a blazing and passionate prayer meeting here on 28. I pray, listen, I pray for wars against sins that are won in this place through prayer. I pray for people that don't know the Lord that will be prayed for by you because you believe that God can save them and want to do it. I pray for a church that come in this place believing that nothing, nothing, nothing is too hard for the Lord and asking for great things. I pray that God will find this church to be a church that prays, that the power of this church will not, you know, I love Ray, but the power of this church do not rely on Ray. He is not the power of the church. God is. Jim Simbala told, uh, said one day that you see the popularity of, the, of a pastor on the attendance on the Sunday morning, but you see the popularity of God on the attendance on the prayer meeting. <laughs> what will it be like here on the 28th? I pray that the power of this church will be prayer, the only thing that God gave us to work with, that the great I am will be sought and called upon and believed on in this place. And much will happen in this city because this church pray for much. Because much prayer has reached, as we heard this morning, the throne of grace. Think about this image, the throne. The king is sitting upon the throne. The throne is a symbol of might and power and authority and sovereignty of grace. The throne of the Lord Almighty who wants to pour out his grace on those who call out to him. Let's pray, church. Heavenly Father, omnipotent Lord of all flesh, for whom nothing is too hard, we come to you this morning with faith that you hear us and that you are eager to give speedily to your elect. Lord, show us your glory. Please show us your glory. We are so quick to forget and we repent of that. We repent of not spending more time in your presence. Not because it's a, a command only. Not because we need to check out the box. But because we believe that you are truly the God who answers prayer. Because we believe it is really the place of joy. The place where we find true happiness and true satisfaction. In the time when we meet you face to face. Father, let us become so passionate in seeking you. Increase our faith, Father. So that we come to you asking for great things that you alone can do. We don't want to ask for things that we can do in our own strength. But ask for things that you alone can do. So you will receive all the glory when answer comes.
Father, save more people around us. Lord, save more people in Ottawa. I pray for new desires in our hearts to pray for the lost and to pray for revival in our nation. We still believe that you can do that, Lord. I pray for your spirit to move in power here on the 28th as the church meet together to seek your face, to intercede for the city. God, we believe, Father, that without prayer we are done. That failing here we fail everywhere. Please make us seriously passionate about prayer. And let us live with urgency before you. We love you, Lord, so much. You are our everything. And we want to be a people that you find praying when you come back. Yes, Lord, you will find faith on earth because we will be here praying and asking for you to do your will. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.